When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Monday and Wednesday by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk or anywhere you get your podcast today. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 1-0, but... With somewhat of a hefty price tag, it's not exactly what the Steelers were looking for. Honestly, I don't know if they would have taken an L to save some injuries, but we're going to get into everything first. It's good to be back in the Berg. I don't even want to say it's a good day in the Berg. I feel like I haven't been home in four days. The last 24 hours has felt like 25 years. I'm sure it felt the same for you. How are you uh, how you feeling, my friend? Yeah, I mean, I was I was at home all weekend, but um, I agree it was a long weekend. Um, you know, we had a couple of football games to cover, but you know, real football is always always more fun than than no football. So um, we're grateful for that. Yeah, no football is uh, our real football is much better than real football. No, real football is much better than no football. I don't know. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Okay, I've I got back from Cincinnati at like two thirty in the morning. The alarm went off at six a.m. It was rough, but these are the price you pay. You know, I had to go to a wedding on Saturday. I went to a wedding where I was almost the only one drinking. And I just felt like that was, you know, maybe that's just me and the fact that I'm 26, but. You know, that's the, that's weird. I've never been to a wedding like that. Yeah. Right. It was like the, the brides, it was, the brides were not dancing, bare minimum dancing. Mm -hmm. I was the only one getting down like, and to songs I didn't even know. It was all. (laughs) Super old music, and I was just like, I'm just having a blast. Everybody else was just chilling. I, it was it was a good time. That was a good time. They broke out. A, they broke out. So it was in Athens, Ohio. They broke out a Joe Burrow jersey during the best man speech. Oh boy, yeah. Talked about it like it was God. Like it was like it was like we have we have this, and we have the love between Katie and Susan, and then we got Joe Burrow, and I was like. Is this a real? Is this a real thing? Well, we, then you then you watch him the next day, and uh, if Joe Burrow's all they got, then yeah, I, I blame the best man. If we're being honest, I do blame the best man. All right, let's talk Pittsburgh Steelers football. One and zero should have been a much easier game than it was. The last minute and fifty two seconds of the fourth quarter until the end of overtime felt like seven centuries of football. I've never seen anything so crazy in my entire life. At an at a glance, okay. What was your biggest reaction of this game from start to finish? Uh, Yeah, the biggest reaction, my biggest reaction was my biggest takeaway, I guess, was that this defense is really for real. Um, You, you know, you figured it would be a, a strength of this team, um, you know, all offseason heading into training camp, heading into the regular season. You figured it'd be the main reason that the Pittsburgh Steelers are successful if they're successful at all. And they more than lived up to the hype. Um, yeah. Like you said, this win came at a cost. You lost what well, your perhaps your best player, right? Uh, I yeah. think that's fair to say. Um, 
Uh, but still, you know, the the performance they put on was unbelievable against a really talented offense. They 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 really just made Joe Burrow's life hell. Um, and it was it was impressive to watch. Yeah, it was it was definitely a dominating defensive performance. I think we've said this before coming into the game is that the Steelers defense, if the Steelers offense was better, this team would be looked at as like possibly a Super Bowl bound team because that's how good the defense should be this season. And I think they showed that, but it came with a price. TJ Watt goes down in the fourth quarter. It's believed to be a torn peck. Um, from what I've heard that it is a torn peck. It's not looking good. Do you believe the thought? Because the thought's going to be there and that it's not going to go away because his brother did it. JJ Watt came back in what? Six weeks, I believe, from a torn peck in 2019. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's like, well, TJ can do it, too. TJ can do it, too. Is that a realistic thought at this point? Or is that just something that people are trying to leave some hope on the table because he is their best player? Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Um, I think people are just kind of trying to latch on to some hope a little bit because, first of all, you got to think about how important TJ is to the defense and then also how important the defense is to this team just as a whole. Um, but just just because someone's done it doesn't mean that you a that a someone else can do it, but also that someone else should do it. Um, yeah. You know, there's no reason to to rush. I mean, I guess you can evaluate um, closer to when, uh, you know, later in the season when you know a little bit more about yourself as a team and you know a little bit more about TJ's injury. Obviously, he's getting an MRI today to you know confirm or deny this diagnosis, but. Um, yeah, you know, as of right now, you're not really in any position where you need to to rush TJ back. Um, and, you know, that could change if you're in a really competitive spot going down the stretch. Maybe you try to see if TJ can come back a little earlier. But this is this is a franchise cornerstone. You can't you can't rush that kind of thing. Exactly. You have to look at this for long term and short term. Like if you're in a if you're in a situation, if the Pittsburgh Steelers are in a situation where they're entering the playoffs. They get a real shot at making a run here. The offense turns it around. The defense still looks like they're absolutely unstoppable. You think about it. You test him. You see how well he could perform. You see if he could go out there. Because just knowing TJ Watt, you understand that if he could go out there, even if he's in pain, he's going to play. That's not a question. He's going to go out there. He's, he's going to do at least what he could. And even at that point, is probably better than what most can provide. But you don't want to put him out there and say, okay, we're going to risk this. And, you know, just like J.J. Watt, it kind of felt like that was the beginning of the end where he started going through injuries, rushing himself back from injuries. And then we're sitting here and it's just like it's been a while since J.J. Watt's been the absolute dominant defender that he once was. I don't think the Steelers are looking at that. TJ is only 26 years old. Like he's still got two or three more years before that decline should even happen. And, and if he could stay healthy long-term, like if this isn't the beginning of multiple injuries, which, you know, knock on wood and, you know, shout out to the universe. I hope it's not. This is where the peak happens. Like, it's not like it's like, Oh, TJ, this is his last good year. Like this, this probably would have been his best year. So maybe next year, if he comes back healthier, it, it looks even greater. So I agree with you. I don't think that you that you do risk it. Do, do you have the talent behind him to make up for it? I mean, we saw what Alex Highsmith did yesterday. Let's start there. D is Alex Highsmith enough from what you've seen in one game this season to say, okay, well, at least bare minimum, the Steelers still have a star at outside linebacker to keep this thing competitive? 
Yeah, that's a, that's. I was just I was thinking that the whole way while you were talking is 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 Alec Highsmith, given what we saw from him yesterday, um, enough to kind of replace him. You know, no one's ever going to replace T.J. Watt. Um, no. He's he's a, you know a generational talent at that position, but um, yeah, if Alex Highsmith has the game of his life every weekend, sure you can you can live with without having T.J. Watt there. But uh, you know you can't. It, it's a little unreasonable to expect that from from Alex Highsmith. He may very well do it. May have a career year in a way that we we've never seen him play before. But uh, it. It, it takes a lot to be TJ Watt. Um, and I don't yeah. think you can expect that of Alex Highsmith. And the other thing is just for the defense to perform at, you know, the kind of level that it did yesterday, that's, you know, you, you need every piece that I, you're the bottom line is you're not going to replicate what's the, what this defense was with TJ leading it. So you you have to understand that you're taking a step back no matter what you what you plug in there, um, whether it's Highsmith or, or anyone else or Malik Reed or, or whoever. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I, I mean, you can't expect anybody to have three sacks a game and a forced fumble. It's just not going to happen. But can you do you have the pieces around it? I mean, Cam Hayward literally started the game with a sack, which you could talk about Minka's pick six and we should talk about Minka's dominant performance but I, in my head like i was like oh okay well that sparked everything that was like the defense is here we're not going anywhere we are going to be way better than we thought or anybody thought we were going to be highsmith has a career game you said before the podcast you didn't see much of malik reed i agree with that i expect him to be the starter moving forward but can you live and die off of a malik reed jameer jones transition with like I guess Delonte Scott, if you're calling him up from the practice squad to be that fourth guy, I think you can you can live with it. Like it's just the difference between great and good. Um, but the thing is, the the defense is just so key to what it's. It's really like Minka Fitzpatrick was the Steelers' most effective offensive player yesterday. <laughs> like he was, he was. So like to just to that end, you you know you need the defense to be great, not just good. If you want to be you know, as successful as you hope to be, as the Steelers hope to be this year. So you you could live with it if you were a different offensive team. And so, you know, I, I just, I don't think that they're going to be able to survive this in the way that they survived losing him yesterday, quite honestly. I, I agree with that. I think that you take a major step down. It's TJ. It's just like if you lost Minka, if you lost Minka Fitzpatrick, if you lost Cam Hayward, I think Cam might be the only one that you could say, okay, well, like, the Steelers have pieces, at least they they don't have. They they just don't have it like Malik Reed, I believe. Is capable and you've seen that he is capable with his performance with the Broncos. And, you know, I talked to him yesterday after the game and he was, you know, he was very honest with me. Like I've been in this situation before where somebody's gone down and I've had to be the guy. And quite frankly, I feel like I've stepped in quite well. He's like, and I think I could do that again. And, and I believe that. Like, he's young. He's had a good two past two seasons. He's coming in here. He, he's got to adjust to a defense. But just like you said, you're not going to replace TJ Watt. That's not going to happen. You're, ne you're never going to do that. And at that point, you might look at this once you get closer to the playoffs and say, you know, if we are going to make a run, and I think that goes full circle to how quickly do you push him back, if you're looking at this near the postseason and TJ is like, okay, well, you know, I've been out here for 17, 18 weeks. Maybe let's think about it. I think at that point, maybe 
you look at it and go, okay, well, you know, you're not even if you even if you're not 100, you're probably better than Malik Reed and Jameer Jones, which is something to 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 think about if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, it, it easy. I mean, 22 and a half sacks. This this says it. It's very true. Yeah, it's very true. Um, I don't I don't expect him. There, there's a lot of people with hope that he'll be back four to six weeks. I've seen this snare. Um, from what I've heard, that's not happening. You know, it's it's torn peck. And uh, the only reason that people are expecting that is because of what his brother did. But the Steelers aren't going to be like, oh, we're going to push him back. I expect him to go on IR and move on from there. The other big injury that happened, Najee Harris, not expected to be serious from what anybody's heard. But this is the second time that a foot injury has happened in the last two months, two and a half months. When you look at that situation, are you worried about it? Do you not care because the running game absolutely sucked yesterday? How do you view that? Well, no, I think you worry about it because the running game was so was so ineffective yesterday. Um, if you know Najee couldn't get it going when he was like, before the injury, uh, I, I just don't have a ton of faith that Jalen Warren can can pick up all of that slack. Um, Jalen Warren's a tough guy; he can be his own blocker and on a lot of runs, but it's again it's just it's the difference between just fine and and great or really good like Jalen Warren's not Najee and if you're expecting him to to be Najee you're you're in a bad spot um the other thing is that a lot of different pieces of the running game have to be better it's not just Najee but they have to block better um like guys were getting killed in the backfield all day so you know it's it's less about what Jalen Warren can do, but it's just Najee is kind of a a game changing talent that can survive uh, having a pretty poor offensive line. I'm just not sure if Jalen Warren can do that. Yeah, I I look at it the same. Like it's an undrafted rookie. You're gonna look at it like that's the guy. And and quite frankly, I don't expect that to be the answer. I think that if Najee misses week two or or multiple weeks, as much as nobody wants to hear this, the person that you're gonna see in the backfield more often than not is Benny Snell Jr. Easy. You're going to put a veteran back there who is reliable, and you're going to let Jalen Warren try to try to get his touches, try to do his thing, but you're going to rely on Benny more than you're going to rely on anybody else. That's exactly why he made the roster. You're going to call Anthony McFarland up. You're going to hope that that works out. But I just think that that's a, that's a major blow to an offense that if you were going to look at this offense and say something needed to click, it needed to be Najee. Like that's what you would have fought to click next season or next week. Not the passing game, not Mitch Trubisky, not the offensive line. All you would have tried to do is get Najee Harris to start moving the ball effectively. Because if you could do that, your offense goes from here to here in a course of seven days. And that's what the Steelers needed to do. If they don't, do you look at this offense? Could they, could they do anything? If Najee is not a part of this offense for extended weeks, does the offense do anything at all productive? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like, I want to put a ceiling on the offense already. It's, you know, a lot of moving parts, um, you know, new, new, you know, young receivers, new quarterback. um, They're all kind of, I think still figuring out a little bit, but there's just, there wasn't much encouraging at all from, from yesterday's game. And it's just hard to, it's certainly like, you know, George Pickens only had one catch for three yards. Uh, Deontay took a while to actually get going. 
but you know Claypool wasn't exactly a, a huge factor in the passing game. Um, maybe you get Calvin Austin back at some point. Uh, I could see a path where this where this offense kind of where at least the passing offense gets a little bit more competent and a little bit better and a little bit more productive. But but that they have a long way to go before they're to the point where they can cover for a loss like Najee, who was already a part of a pretty ineffective run game. Um, yeah, Mitch just looked, you know, I know we we're going to talk about Mitch in a minute, but Mitch just looked, uh, I was a little disappointed with Mitch on uh, yesterday. I did expect a little bit more from him. Um, so just, you know, watching that and kind of taking that all in, I, I just, I do wonder if they can be productive at all. And I just wonder how long it's going to take before they all feel comfortable enough with each other and, and kind of can figure out where all the pieces fit together. So uh, that's the question is moving into week two, you're going to look at the quarterback. Mitch has to now win games. Mike Tomlin's analysis of him after the game was he did not blink. Is, is that enough? Is didn't, I mean, Mitch played well when he needed to in overtime in the fourth quarter, like he made those plays. But there were a lot of times, I mean, he had pickings on a deep route that if he he threw it out of bounds on purpose, and if he didn't throw it out of bounds on purpose, Pickens is gone. That is the easiest deep ball that he probably will have all season. Then the I think it was the, literally the play before Pickens on the out route to the sideline. He's got to dive for a catch that's already out of bounds. He doesn't make it. I mean, it can you rely on Mitch, or do you just think that you just need time, like you said, to gel, to work, to work out the kinks, and then you'll see what happens. Well, I don't think you have a much of a choice, quite honestly. Like you have to rely on Mitch. Like this is your guy. You, you yeah. name him the starter. I don't think they'll, you know, throw Kenny in, you know, this quickly. But yeah, you have to rely on Mitch, um, whether you can or not. I, I, am still a little more optimistic on Trubisky, I think, than the than the average on Mr. Trubisky than the average person is. Um, Yesterday was disappointing, but I think it was the first game. You can you can make the argument that they do need more time to gel and that they are still figuring each other out. Um, they faced a pretty good Bengals defense, um, but yeah, it, yesterday I just did not. You know, it killed my optim. It didn't kill my optimism. It dampened my optimism a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah, but but you also you need Mitch needs a little bit more from the playmakers too. I think you know only three targets for Pickens. I feel like they should have looked his way more often. Um, the fact that he didn't have a running game to help him out at all really didn't didn't make things any easier on him. Also, was a little surprised that they didn't try to use that Mitch didn't use his legs a little bit more. Um, I thought yes. he could have in certain places. Um, yeah, I, I again I'm still optimistic that Mitch can can kind of turn this around and, and give you a productive season one in which he's not just he kind of takes a step above being just not actively hurting you and can actively like you know make some plays for you but but yeah you didn't see it yesterday no I that was the thing and there's comments in here about Matt Canada's offense I think Matt Canada's offense played a role in this I thought Matt Canada had decent play calls throughout the game. I didn't think I didn't think it was terrible. I thought it was just not the greatest execution all around. And I think the fact that you can't run the football plays a major role in this. If you run the football effectively, you have a better passing game. That's just how it works. If you can't run the football at all, you don't have a passing game. Defenses could adjust to that quite easily. But you got to find ways to run the football. I mean, you used it with Chase Claypool. He ran for 67 yards or something like that. 
that's what you that's what you were looking for out of Matt Canada's offense. Matt Canada's offense that we keep hearing about, that we watched at training camp with all these jet sweeps and end arounds. I mean, they ran a double reverse flea flicker. Okay? A double reverse flea flicker. But you're not going to use your quarterback in the red zone. The most athletic quarterback you've probably ever had in your coaching career, you're not going to use him in the red zone. I thought that was a big question mark because that was something – I mean, Mitch showed it. Mitch showed, especially in overtime. You saw him break tackles. Right. He could do that in the red zone, and you have guys behind him. I, I don't know. Like, why keep Mason Rudolph for a worst case scenario if you're not going to try to push the limits with the guys that you have in there because you kept those backup plans? It just didn't. It didn't add up to me. So I would say, I, I mean, in my opinion, I think that Matt Canada's coaching was, eh, at best, nothing great. Right. Yeah, and I feel like that was the – I feel like the defense really uh, – the defense really kind of made you look away from the fact that – I don't know. I Like, it, it's it's sort of the same thing with Mitch, actually. It's – it's it was fine, but it, you didn't really – you didn't actively hurt the team, but you did not really do anything to make – give them a better chance to, to win, I, I felt yes. like. Um, yes, I agree. which is which is not going to be good enough if you don't have TJ. If Najee's hurt and you still can't run the ball, like the the margin for error is so slim with this team. If they really want to be competitive, um, so you know you need more from guys like Canada and you know Mitch and and, and the rest of the offense. Agreed. And there's comments in here, like just to because I think it went back to Canada and the rest of the offense, the execution. I thought the offensive line outside of not being able to run block whatsoever. I thought they played much better than I expected them to. And it gave me a little bit of confidence. I looked at this offensive line like, Oh, look at that. Yeah. They didn't suck. They, well, they weren't good, but they definitely didn't suck. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like the, the biggest compliment I can give them was that I wasn't actively saying to myself while I was watching the game, like, wow, the offensive line is terrible. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Which which I had been doing, um, you know, during all of their, their preseason games and during practices that I'd watched. Um, yeah, the, uh, you know, it's a kind of a cliche, but if you're not talking about the offensive line, they're doing a good job. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. If you're not talking about the offensive line, they need to do – or they're doing a better job. I just think that right now you walk into week two if you don't have Najee Harris – you're looking at this going, this is this is going to be the judgment week. This is where you're paying Mitch Trubisky starting money. You're putting all your faith in him. You, you've said this is our offensive line. You've made that a point. Like nothing's going to change with this offensive line. If you don't have your star offensive player, you just paid Deontay Johnson. You used a second round pick on a wide receiver. You're giving Chase Claypool all this opportunity to make things happen. I mean, you you cut you cut a former fourth round running back to keep an undrafted rookie. I mean, this is this is it. You know, balls in your court. The are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna man up? Or are you are you gonna mess up? You know, and I think that's how they're gonna look at it this week. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if I have great expectations. At the same time, though, and, and I know it's super early in the week, but New England looked terrible. So mm-hmm. that might be that might be good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could be good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A um, lot of Jalen Warren will start. Uh, a lot of Devin Bush in the comments. Let's talk about Devin Bush real quick. I thought, I thought Devin Bush played well. 
at, at a yeah. time I thought he he was pushing the line of playing very well. And, oh yeah, which was which was a good surprise. Yeah, he was fast. He was aggressive. Made some made some nice stops at some key moments. Like I I I am hard pressed to pick out someone on the defense who didn't play very well. Um, but yeah. but Devin Bush was definitely among them. I thought um, he he was good. Yeah, it was exactly what you needed from him. Yeah, him and Minka. I think that if 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 you have contributors like you have Miles Jack, Miles Jack looked very good. I thought the entire secondary. I wish Black and Yellow Texas Steel was in the chat because I would love. I would love to just like tell him real quick, like, hey, man, look at Cam Sutton had a great game. Mm-hmm. Had a great game. The secondary looked phenomenal. Minka Fitzpatrick might uh, might win. Like he, he could win defensive player of the year. The Steelers might have lost defensive player of the year and gained one. And I think that's the craziest thing is people look at Minka. And I know this is a Devin Bush conversation, but Minka just deserves the, the praise. I think last year people looked at Minka like, oh, man, like, you know, he's he's just not like the best yet. He should be the best. And I think this year he came out of here and he's just like, yeah, all right, well, now I'm the best. Like, now we have an actual defense around us. I have my running mate and Terrell Edmonds back. We have corners that are reliable and have gelled because that's something they didn't have last year. I mean, all credit to Joe Hayden, but Akella Witherspoon is definitely better, better as a true CB1, and Cam Sutton has certainly improved. You now have inside linebackers. You have a pass rush that is absolutely phenomenal. I mean... I mean, that's that. This is all the makings of Minka Fitzpatrick is about to have a. I, and I know I might, I might be overstepping a line here, but about to have a Troy Polamalu type season ahead of him. And if it starts with a with a with a, a field goal block, a PAT block that literally saves the game, that was the most inclimatic, un- unclimactic. Am I saying that word right? Unclimactic. Yeah. PAT block of all time. It felt like, like it was just like, like they scored that touchdown and you were just like, I know this is going to get blocked. Like I, there's nothing about this. That feels like this game is anywhere near over. And yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's your guy right there. Right. I keep looking at that. I mean, the corners answered so many questions yesterday. And I think if you mm-hmm. looked at, looked at the defense heading into that game corner and maybe a middle linebacker was where you thought the, the the holes were but they did not show up yesterday and again against a really talented talented Bengals defense like the the Bengals strength was hitting the Steelers at where you thought would have been a hole and and the secondary stood stood up uh anticlimactic there we go (laughs) Um, uh the the defense stood up exactly where you thought they might have folded and that was that's got to give you so much more confidence like Again, def- difference between good and great is the secondary playing like they did yesterday. Yeah, just and, and again, you don't even have to have four picks every week. Like, just you know, you, you don't have to turn them over four times. But if you play even a fraction of what of of the way they did uh, every week, then you're in great shape. Great shape. But but look, I mean, the offense is still struggling, but they are certainly better and have a much higher ceiling than they did in 2019. And in 2019, the defense won most games through the through through plays like they did yesterday. And I think that if you can do that, I mean, it just again goes full circle to what we've been talking about. If the offense can improve slowly each game, this defense is good enough to take the Steelers wherever they'd like to go. You know, I don't know if the defense wins championships, but you need some offense. 
the offense has some improvement to do, but the defense is set. And I mean, I get that you lose TJ. That's humongous. But if you can make up from that somehow, huge, absolutely, absolutely huge. Um, and, and I think like if you anybody who's a better out there, I mean, I'm putting money, I'm putting something on them. I'm putting last year. I put the last year I was I was sitting in a bar at I don't know one in the morning or something, talking to the bartender, just having a conversation, eating some nachos with my fiance, and they were talking about defensive player of the year. It was like the day before, two couple days before week one, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna put a hefty bet on TJ. Put a hefty. I'm just gonna feel real good about it. I feel mm-hmm. the same way about Minka this year. I just do. Like you, you know, d- defensive defensive backs have a much higher opportunity to win that award than anybody else because they make big plays all the time. Yeah. And you know, Minka started about as hot as humanly possible. All right, we have one more topic to talk about, and I know nobody wants to talk about this, but we have to a little bit. But first, I want to answer this. There's there's a bunch of reports in the chat, but any TJ news? We talked about TJ at the beginning. What I am hearing from sources is that this is a torn pec. I mean, he's still he's about to under, undergo an MRI. It should be here like any minute. The four to six games thing is is nothing but talk. And that's how it should remain is nothing but talk. It is right now expected to be quote unquote season ending. They will not shut him down for the season until they absolutely know it is over. But I would, the four to six game is, is very unrealistic and I would not look at it like that. Um, And, and that's coming straight from a source. Like I get that's Ian Rappaport saying whatever. And Dr. Chow on Twitter is saying whatever. This is coming straight from a source to my phone. So, uh, you know, that stinks. I don't like to report bad news, but I'm just trying to keep things as real as possible. All right. Last thing we got to talk about real quick. Driving home last night, I'm listening to the Dallas Cowboys Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And something clicks like immediately. Dak Prescott goes down. Not looking good. Jerry Jones after the game confirms, which I don't understand why, why Jerry Jones talks. Yeah, why does he do press conferences? Who like- I don't know. I do, just because because over there is over there. It's I mean it's Jerry's it's world. Purpose. It's Jerry's world. Like it is. It's 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 uh it's a play. It is not. It's a show. It is not a football organization. It's a much different thing. Couple of weeks couple of weeks has to undergo surgery i believe today it's not looking good i know that everybody's tired about talking about backup quarterbacks and i hope this is the last time we do but i do not understand how there is not a situation where the dallas cowboys do not call the pittsburgh steelers and say hey what would you like for mason rudolph because we will not win football games with cooper rush I just and and on top of that, you're gonna because I like I know that you're gonna agree with this one. I know everybody's. You're telling me that Mason Rudolph is not a Dallas Cowboy through and through. Like that man, he's the best looking quarterback possibly in the NFL outside of Jer- outside of Jimmy Garoppolo. The dude, I mean, his his girlfriends alone throughout the years have forced headlines. This is exactly what Jerry wants. Exactly what Jerry Jones wants. I think it's the perfect situation. 
Yeah, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we talked about this a little bit before we came on, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry, just because as someone said, Jerry loves the camera, Jerry <laughs> loves attention. So I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to make a splash move, like go get Jimmy Garoppolo if he can, but Mason makes so much more football sense to me, just from like a cost sense. Like you said, the fit seems good. Like you're not going to have to give up a lot for, uh, for Mason Rudolph and, He's going to give you like starting experience. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be a complete disaster out there. Like from a complete, from a purely football perspective, it makes too much sense, but too much sense. You, you look at this. He's a, he's a true professional. He says all the right things. Mason always says the right things. He's totally fine with being a backup. He's made that known. He's looking for an opportunity, but he understands. I think the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is, you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and you just look at it like a renter piece. You trade for Mason Rudolph and you look at it like, yeah, like maybe this is only a one-year deal and we get some quality starts out of him. But maybe this is a one-year deal that turns into, well, we only have to pay $3 million this year and maybe he signs another contract and he's Dak's backup and you no longer have to worry about Cooper Rush being your number two. I just... Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. What are you going to give up for him? If you're the Dallas Cowboys, are you giving up a fifth-round pick for Mason Rudolph? Yeah. Yeah, you're giving up a fifth-round pick. You'd probably go even higher now. Like, Yeah, you're going up, you're... Are you giving up a, a third, a fourth? Where are you going? Yeah, I think I, I think you'd go as high as a third, but maybe that's as high as you'd go. Um, just because of just because of the circumstances, not because, you know, Mason has shown you anything, anything more than – than what he did during the preseason, like, you know, anything more than when the Steelers were asking for a fifth round pick for him. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I think the Cowboys would go as high as a third just to have someone who can keep their heads above water while Dak is still coming, working his way back. I, I agree. I mean, Cooper rush looked terrible. I don't know what his stats were, but mm-hmm. Cooper rush uh, just from, I mean, I watched highlights when I got home on ESPN, but I listened to the game live and, I mean, it just it it felt bad. I have CD Lamb in fantasy football, totally screwed me. Yeah, it, I will say to be fair, Dak did not look very impressive last night either. Like, no, but Dak were, never looks impressive. I think that people, the Dak thing, I think is overblown. It's just like a it's a good name. He fits well in Dallas. He's a good story. Jerry loves him. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying I don't think you know. There's tiers of quarterbacks, and I don't know if yeah. Dak is as high as people people say but he's still like still like i mean if you're jerry jones you're taking mason rudolph over cooper rush right every single day absolutely it's just a matter of if they call when they call i believe when they call Mm -hmm. and if they're willing to offer anything higher than fifth and i i agree with you i think that i think there's a strong possibility that they make a phone call and say Here's a third round pick. Let's take your third string quarterback. Right. And then, you know, Mike Tomlin didn't even need to wait 19 hours with a depth chart release and a clerical error to try and boost his trade stock. He just need to wait till Sunday night football. That's all it took. Right. And on top of this, and we talked about this before the show, the thing holding them back was the fact that they want a security blanket. I think the offensive line showed me yesterday that, yeah, they didn't look fantastic, but I felt way better about Mitchell Trubisky surviving the season yesterday, knock on wood, than I did going into the game. 
And I mean, that's enough for me to say, okay, well, you know, hopefully the Steelers don't have a situation where they have to use their third string quarterback. So yeah. I think it's, I think it's the perfect move. I, I, I mean, y'all are sleepy. I mean, I am exhausted, but I'm, I'm feeling I, good about it. Well, it, I, I don't think a third round pick is the most likely. No, no, no. I it's think it's not the pick. most likely offer, but it, I could certainly see where that, where that would come from, especially just given that I think they're a little that de- I like that the Cowboys have to be a little desperate at this point, And I think they're willing to overpay a little bit for, for Mason in that sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what the Steelers were looking for is somebody, not somebody who's looking for a backup quarterback that they're willing to give scraps for. They're looking for somebody who is in desperate need of a quarterback and nobody needs to win every single week more than Jerry Jones. That's right. That's all it is. We don't use uh, we don't use that type of language in this chat. So, just uh, we'll just a little reminder to everybody out there. Um, before we head out of here, any time limit for Calvin Austin? I mean, he's on IR till week four. I I don't know. He's catching footballs like in individual drills, but nothing really crazy. I think the biggest thing for him is his takeoff. Right now, it's it's you have to be able to get that first step as quick as you need it to be when it comes to a Liz Frank injury. And, and you know, I, 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 I don't know when that's going to be. And it's tough because you can't talk to him while he was on IR. So we don't really have any news. Um, if you think Pickett can start now, why trade Mason? I, I mean, I think Pickett could start now, but I, he's not going to, he's not going to. And then, uh, one more on TJ Watt here. Just a quick last update on TJ before we head out of here. Um, not looking good from what I've heard. Sources say that it is a torn peck. Um, it, they're they're going to act like it's the year, but they're not going to shut him down for the year. And you know, come closer to the postseason, they'll see what what happens. But for right now, it's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not looking good. All right, we're heading out of here. Thank you so much, everybody, for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Like this video and go use our promo code for 25% off at trueclassic.com. We'll be back on Wednesday. I'll be back on a live stream tomorrow after Tomlin's press conference, so make sure make sure to jump on with me then. Go, subs- or go uh, find our podcast anywhere you get audio podcasts. Enjoy the rest of your day. Peace.